When you're stingy with your cash, you tip less than 20%. When you tip less than 20%, your server gets mad at you. When your server gets mad at you, she spits in your coffee. When your server spits in your coffee, you get encephalitis. When you get encephalitis, you develop temporary blindness. When you develop temporary blindness, you pick up the wrong dry cleaning. And when you pick up the wrong dry cleaning, you leave for work wearing your neighbor Eunice's moo-moo. Don't leave for work wearing your neighbor Eunice's moo-moo. Get off your donkey. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. My name's Tim. Thank you, both of you. My name's Tim, and uh, uh, thanks for having me today. I- I'm glad you're here. And I hope by the time we're done, I, ho- I hope you'll be glad you're here as well. Do a little, little uh, poll here. Honest, I won't go too far into your finances, but how many folks own some stock? See your hands if you own some stock. All right, all right. And uh, 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 any, anybody uh, ever, like, pick their own stock? Like, like, I have some stock somewhere in my something, I'm sure. And uh, that, that's about as much as I know about finances, somewhere in my something. And, and, but I've never picked my own stock. Has anybody ever, like, picked their own stock? Like, ooh, that's going to be a good one. You've done it, sir? How many of you ever... You, you, Got, got a woman down for a second. Honey, you've done it. And her husband won't raise, raise his hand, but she's right, isn't she? So if you, I got a buddy. I've never done this. I got a buddy who's always trying to find the next big thing that's going to hit. And he's like, ooh, I'm going to get this stock, and then it's going to you know, do this, and then it's going to split, whatever that means. Except it's, it, it's good, right? That's a good thing if your stock splits, right? I got that. Thank you, sir. And, uh, and, and I kind of give him a hard time you know, about this, but it could happen. I mean, it has happened. For instance, uh, I have it on good authority. Back in 1919, there was this company that was offering initial shares of stock in their fledgling organization, 40 bucks. And if you had bought one share of this company at 40 bucks in 1919, and each time that it paid dividends, you reinvested it, and each time it split, if you just kept putting the money back in the company from just one $40 share, uh, today, that one share that cost you 40 bucks in 1919 would be worth over $10 million. It was a little company you might have heard of called Seriously, one share of Coca-Cola stock. Now, my grandparents were around in 1919, and they did not buy any Coca-Cola stock, much to my dismay. You know, and I, I know you're not supposed to speak ill of those who passed, but I'm a little ticked. Because all they had to do was buy them one stock, buy, buy one stock for my grandson. You know, and I'd be buying and selling all y'all. But, uh, but think about this. As cool as it would be to buy one piece of stock and have it become this awesome thing, just think how, like, the opposite of cool it would be to have the chance to buy it and not. Welcome to part three of Get Off Your Donkey. And Get Off Your Donkey is what we're calling this series that's uh, based on probably one of the two most famous stories that Jesus ever told. And, you know, regardless of what you, you believe about Scripture, uh, this is a famous story. This, this story has inspired people and changed lives for centuries. That, that, that part's inarguable. 
And uh, it's a great story. It's a famous story. And uh, in fact, you might have heard of it. It's called the story of the good. There you go. Told you. Uh, Story of the good Samaritan. And it's one of those stories that we think we know. And uh, sometimes what we think we know can get in the way of really knowing what we need to know. And if you've been around at all for any part of this series, you know when we've been saying about this story. The story of the Good Samaritan is not just this freestanding story. It's not like Jesus was walking along one day and he goes, oh, I think I'll tell a story. No, 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 no. It's a story within a story. Because this thing happened. Here's what happened. Here's the story that the story of the Good Samaritan is within. And, and this guy comes up to him, Bible says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law, in the original language, in, in, in Jesus' day, an expert in the law doesn't mean like, you know, an attorney. Expert in the law, they called God's word, they called it the law, the law of God. And basically that was a euphemism for scripture. So he was a biblical expert. This biblical expert comes up to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, pause right there, because see, we think we know what, he, what, what that question means, but we really don't, as we've talked about in this series, because originally, in the first century, if somebody said, what must I do to inherit eternal life, they weren't talking about, what do I do so I know that I'll go to heaven when I die? See, that's what we think, right? I mean, even, even if you don't believe in life after death, if you go, what must I do to inherit eternal life, you probably think that that's about how do I go to heaven, you know, instead of the other far less desirable place, when I die. That's what it means to us. That is not what it meant to the man who asked Jesus that question. See, in Jesus' day, what must I do to inherit eternal life, as we've been talking about in this series, is how do I find the kind of life that I would never find without God? How do I find the kind of life that on my own, left to my own devices, I wouldn't have a snowball's chance on a hot summer's day of ever finding How do I find a life that's rich and full, you know, full of meaning and and, and purpose and direction and passion and and, and fulfillment? How do I find that? Because I know I can't find that on my own. So how do I I find that? That's what the guy was asking. And in response to that question, as it kind of shakes out, Jesus tells a story. And his story goes like this. The story says, you know, one time there was this guy and he was going from Jerusalem, which is like a major city, to Jericho. Jerusalem is a major city in this one country and area, you know, and, and, and uh, 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 Jericho was another major city of a neighboring but different um, religious and ethnic area, Okay. So a man was going from Jerusalem, from one major city to a different major city. And he comes upon this guy who's been beat up and he's laying by the road half dead. And, and, and the guy sees him, you know, so, you know, he's been beat up a robber. So next thing happens is uh, the, the Samaritan. Jesus does, it's interesting. Jesus doesn't call the good Samaritan good. In fact, I, I did the research on this. No one can tell you when this story became known as the Good Samaritan. You can't find a first reference to it. it. Just down through the ages, people started calling it the Good Samaritan. That it's called that, in, it's not even called that in the Bible. The Bible is just called the Samaritan or a, a, a Samaritan, uh, which is interesting to me. But the word good interests me a lot because we'll come back to that. Anyhow, 
Um, this Samaritan comes along. A couple other guys came along that, that you, you would have thought would have helped them out, and they didn't. And this guy comes along. A Samaritan comes along, and he sees him there, and he went, he went to him. Now, here's what I want you to do. I know it's church, and it's real easy to be like having words going in one ear and out the other, or to think about, you know, like, oh, what's for lunch? And, um, but, but really, just let's do some work, okay? Picture this in your mind. Picture the scene in your mind. He's riding along on his donkey. Sees the wounded guy over there bleeding, half dead. He gets off his donkey. Goes over to him. Look what it says. It says it bandaged his wounds. Now, think about this with me. What are the odds that this guy was carrying bandages? I mean, what was he, a traveling bandage salesman? No, think about it. When it bandaged his wounds, it probably means he took some of his own clothes and ripped it up into bandages. Right? And see, in those days, they didn't have like a closet full of clothes. Most people had one or two sets of clothes, and that was about it. He took one of the two, two sets of clothes he might have had in this world and turned them into bandages. You ever had to bandage somebody's wounds? I, I, had, I had some wounds. Can, can you see my face over here? It's kind of messed up extra. There's kind of, you see, can you see these marks? I had a bad experience this week. I was over at my buddy's house. He, he knows how to do things, and I don't. So he was doing some things on my car, um, and, uh, and, and, and he had this cute little Scotty dog, and this little Scotty dog came in, and I picked up this little Scotty dog and started to cuddle it, and that dog bit me right in the face. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Man, seriously, it was, like, it was like Cujo. It was like, brah. Oh. Honestly, and it, it sunk its little fangs into my face, and I, I started bleeding profusely, and, and, my, and so my friend had to bandage my wounds. And honestly, it's kind of swollen, and man, it's, it was messed up. And, and uh, um, just, just a, some, a little something extra you get here today coming from church. If there's like a little black dog, don't pick it up. It will bite you in the face, okay? Then someone will have to bandage your wounds. But my friend bandaged my wounds, you know, put peroxide on it. It's like, ah! And, and, and so I, I've had wounds bandaged, and man, I'm on so many antibiotics right now, I'm pretty sure I'm about this close to immortal. I don't think anything can hurt me right now, because I've got so many antibiotics, you know, coursing through my system at this point. But, but my wound was bandaged. So he bandages the guy's wounds, and then look, it says, he pours on oil and wine. Now, what's that about? Oil and wine, um, you know, th- those, those, you know, foodstuffs, but they also have medicinal purposes. Kind of a, you know, uh, double possibility there. So he takes, and they, but they were real precious. He takes this expensive oil and this expensive wine. I assume it's pretty good wine. You know, probably even had a cork. And he, and he puts it on it. And, 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 and then so, so you see it? He bandages him up, pours on his own oil and wine. Then he puts the man on his donkey. And as we've said, he could put the man on the donkey because he had gotten off it. Right? You can't put somebody on a donkey while you're still on it. To put somebody on your donkey, you've got to get off yours. Hence the name of the series. And, uh, and he puts his man on the donkey, and, 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 you know, and the donkey becomes like a four-legged ambulance, and they takes him to an inn to recuperate, and it becomes this famous story that's inspired lives. And, you know, there's a hospital, and there a hospital or something in Downers Grove called Good Samaritan or something. It's inspired lives and, and renamed hospitals and things. And so it's kind, of, it's kind of a big deal. But honestly, it all began. Because, see, before he could bandage the guy's wounds, he had to get off his donkey. 
And before he could put oil and wine on it, he had to get off his donkey. It's not like he could like ride by and you know, dribble oil and, you know. He had to get off his donkey. And before he could put the guy on his donkey, take him to somebody's recuperate, he had to get off his donkey. Um, but interesting thing about this Samaritan getting off his donkey is uh, he didn't get off his donkey just once. He actually gets off his donkey at least twice that we know of. And see, this is a part of the story that often gets overlooked. Because the, the end of the story, leave it on the screen, the, uh, the next day, it says, it's so, so he takes, the Bible says that he took two coins, two denarii, and a, den, a denarius was, was the equivalent of a, day, of a day's wage. So he takes out two days' wage. When's the last time you ever popped two days' wage for somebody else's needs? He pops, he, he, he takes, he basically takes a half, of a, a half of a week's paycheck, gives it to the innkeeper and says, take care of the guy. And he says, you know, but it's probably going to cost more than that. So I'm going to come back through. I'm going to come back through and, ca- and I really care about this guy. I want to make sure he's okay. So when I come back through to make sure he's okay, whatever more it is beyond that, it's going to be more than that. Whatever it is, I'm, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you. Now see, here's, so he not only gets off his donkey once, he's coming back through. To check on the guy. So he gets off his donkey a second time. Are you with me? Okay, yeah. Some here know that when I ask you that, you're allowed to say yes, no, or I don't know. So let me try it again. Are you with me? Okay, thank you. Very good. Very good. I just want to make sure you're with me. So he can, now, now think about this with me. Again, just, just, just go a little deeper into this. If you're that innkeeper, he's already given you half a week's paycheck, and it's going to be more than that. So it's not a small amount of money. And he says, hey, I'm good for it. I'll come back. If you're the innkeeper, why would you do that? Why would you say yes? Because basically what he just did, he essentially extended a line of credit, did he not? Thank you. Yeah, he did. Now, one possibility is that the innkeeper was getting off his donkey, too. And the innkeeper was going, sure, I want to help this guy, too. I'm with you. However, I have a different theory. My theory is that the innkeeper said yes to this deal because he knew him. The Samaritan, I mean. See, the Samaritan was a businessman traveling this business road. I believe that he takes him to that inn and says, Hey, man, take care of this guy. You know, I, I want to make sure he's okay. Here's this and whatever. It's all, I'll, I've only got this with me, but, but whatever, I'm, I'm good for it. He extends the credit because he knows him. Does this make sense? Okay. And see, here's why this matters. He's already taken maybe the shirt off his back to make bandages. He's already taken the oil and the wine that was what he had. He's already taken his own donkey. He's gotten off it, put the guy on it, switched places. He's walking now, and the, and the guy that's half dead is, 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 is getting to ride along. And, 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 and he's taking care of... And, and, and now, he's using his business connections. He probably stays at that inn. He knows the guy. They trust each other. And see, what you need to see... What, what, what I believe we all need to see in this story, y'all, is that he's using, he's bringing it all together, all the resources he's got to help this guy. He's not just, you know, doing some sort of like one nice little thing and then moving on. He's bringing all of his resources to bear for the good of this person in need. Let me say it again. He's bringing all of his resources to bear for the good of this person in need. In need. 
And that's a really important part of the story. Because getting off your donkey isn't about just doing some nice things now and then. It's not about, you know, it's nice to hold doors for ladies and to help little old ladies cross. That's all nice and well and good. But this isn't about just doing a nice thing here, a nice thing there, and try to do a few more good deeds, you know, and pat yourself on the back, you know, or whatever. No, no, no. Come on now. We've said this before in this series. Do you really think that Jesus went around telling people to, 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 to remind people to do nice things that everybody already knows you're supposed to do anyways? I mean, come on. I don't think so. He's the greatest teacher, arguably, that ever lived. And, and he's saying something radical. He's saying, this Samaritan has brought all the... He, he's, he's using his, his clothing. He's using his, his, his uh, physical resources. He's using the money in his pockets. He's using his business connections. He's bringing all of his resources to bear for the good of this person who's in deep need. That's what it means to get off your donkey. To bring all of your resources to bear for the good of somebody else. And uh, what I love about this story is this story can be our story. Don't answer this out loud, but uh, what's your story? What are you about? Why are you here? Or to be fair, let's ask me. What's my story? What am I about? What is my understanding of why I am here? I mean, I don't mean, I know why I'm here in this place this morning. Don't worry, <laughs> I'm oriented times three and all that. But uh, 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 I mean, in general, why do I exist? See, the Samaritan story can be my story and it can be your story. And uh, here's something from the Bible that helps me. And maybe it'll help you too. And, and you know what? I, I really believe that for at least one person here today, this is just for you. Or I should say one other because I really need to be reminded of this this week. And not just because a dog bit my face. I have a pretty rough week for some other reasons. Get ready. Because I believe the Spirit of God is about to say something to us here today. Here it is. Give me Diane. D Diane is making the PowerPoint happen. Let's give it up for Diane up there. <laughs> Woo! That's, that's, that, that, that's a hard job. Especially when I'm... That's a hard job up there when I'm the one down here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, give me that Ephesians 2.10. See, I say it and it happens. I just love that. That's Diane. Look what it says. Speaking to us, those of us assembled here today, it says we are God's workmanship. God's telling you, you're a piece of work. Turn to somebody near you, look them in the eye and smile and say, you're a piece of work. Come on now. You're a piece of work. You're, you're a piece of work. But this is, this is like in a good way. Because this word workmanship is an important word. This word workmanship means like a finely crafted thing. Like something that an expert craftsman or an artist would make. Something that was made with great care and great thoughtfulness and great creativity. That's what you are. I realize, I, may, I realize you may not feel like that, but you're a piece of work. In the best sense of the word. You are God's workmanship. He made you. 
And look what it says. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This word good, highlight that word good for me, Diane. This word good is, a, is an important word today. We, we don't get this word. See, see, we think good's just good. Oh, did you go, you know, where did you go to lunch today? Oh, I went to lunch over there. How was it? Oh, it, it was good. It was good. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I saw that movie. What did you think of it? It was good. It was good. I mean, if somebody says it's good, it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Like in, in academia, that'd be like a B. It's like a B, B plus. It's good. Um, that's not what it means biblically. See, we got to, man, you want to under, understand the Bible? You want to understand the Lord? You got to understand the meaning of the word good. Good is a big word in the Bible. It's a real important word. In fact, the way to understand the word good is, is to do this thing called the principle of first reference. The principle of first reference is where you take a word later in Scripture and, and, and find the very first time it was used in the Bible. And the very first time it was used in the Bible is the best indication of what the word means. And so you, find, you see this word good in, 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 in Ephesians, which is towards the end of the New Testament. And then and you go back and you go, oh, Let's find the very first time the word good appears in the Bible. And and the word good appears in the Bible way, 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 way back at the very beginning. Because it's when God is making stuff. And God is making stuff. And stuff is happening. And God sees what he makes. And when God sees what he makes, it says that the Lord saw it. and and, And he saw that it was good. Now that's a different kind of good, right? Listen, God, I don't know how he did it. We ain't going to argue about how he did it. The point of the Bible isn't how, it's who. However God did it. God made the, 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 the stars in the, in the sky and he saw them and he said, it's, and he made the earth and the land and the sea and he said, yeah, and then he made the, the, the animals uh, except for little black Scotty dogs that bite faces and, <laughs> And, and, and fish and, 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 and birds. And he went, good. Listen, here's what good means. Don't miss this now, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss this part. Don't miss this part. Don't miss this part. I, I ain't playing. Don't miss this. You're laughing at me, but, but you, don't, you need to not miss this. Good means exactly like God meant it to be. Think about this now with me, folks. Good in the Bible means exactly like God meant it to be. So work with me. Put the pieces together. The tumblers are falling. You were created, you were specifically made to do things, to do works in this world that are. Listen, here's how it works there's things in this world that are not good. There are people that are hungry, and I don't mean hungry, I mean like starving. While we slept last night, 30,000 children died of starvation. Children dying of starvation. That is not God's intention. That is not God's design. That is not good. And if you're doing anything, which I certainly hope you are, to combat starvation in this world, that's not just good, that's good. There's people who are lonely. You see them. They're at your work. They're in your neighborhood. They're at your school. You see them. Nobody really likes them. 
Maybe it's their own fault. Maybe they're obnoxious. Maybe they're unattractive. But they're lonely. That's not God's intention. That's not good. And so when you befriend somebody, when you reach out to somebody, when you hang out with somebody, when you spend some time with somebody who who just needs somebody to give a rip, when you do that, that's not just good. That's good. You got friends and their marriages are falling apart. Maybe somebody's messing around. And you encourage them to, you know, when that's happening, that's not God's intent. That's not good. And you come alongside him and you say, man, come on, man, your marriage counts. You know, be true to your vows. I, 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 I'll, I'll help you find a counselor. I, you know, I, whatever, I, I'll, I'll stick with you. You know, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll hang with you. Whatever, whatever it is, I'll, whatever I can do, I can, I can do much. Whatever I do, I'll, I'll do it. When you do that and you encourage somebody to stick with their marriage when they're feeling like quitting it, that, that just, that's, that, that's not just good. That's And listen, you were created to do good things. Not nice things, not just kind, admirable, laudable things, good things. You know what this church is about? This church isn't about just doing good things. This church is about good means returning the world to the way God meant it to be. That's what good means. But something's really important here. It's not just this individual good. You've been given particular, you have resources, you have abilities, you have, you have gifts. You know, the Bible calls them spiritual gifts. You have abilities and talents that can be used for the good of somebody else. But the point is not how awesome you are. The point is when you put your good together with your good and 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 your good there in the back and your good there in the back, sir, and you put all of our goods together, it becomes really good. Look at this, next, next scripture from uh, Romans. Uh, for just as each of us has one body with many members, speaking of our physical bodies, you know, arms, legs, uh, um, and these members do not all have the same function, they're not all the same. So in Christ, though many, we form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, we can't all do the same good. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Next slide, please. If your gift is prophecy, meaning speaking God's truth, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Don't do it lightly, like just glibly, like bumper sticker spirituality. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If if, if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's saying we're bringing all this together to bring about good. Then look at this next part from, from another chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's how it works. For we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body. There's that body metaphor again. Even so the body is not made of one part but of many. Now if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Next slide. It would, for that reason, not stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? God has placed the parts in the body just as he wanted them to be. What in the world does that mean? Good question. Here's the answer. What it means is, is that, you know, yeah, I know that you feel like the resources that God's given you are, are, are not really impressive. 
And you look at somebody else and you see the kind of good they can do. And you're like, oh, I can't do good like them, you know. Because, I mean, this guy playing marimba this morning, he can play marimba and about 17 other instruments. I can't do that. And he's got like a cool ponytail. And I, and I can't even find a shirt that fits. You know, and, I mean, gosh, I wish I was gifted like him. All I really know to do is just, you know, rant like a madman. You know what? It's not about what somebody else has got or what God gave them. It's about what God gave you. What did God give you? What did God give you for good? I really do wish I had your gifts, man. Gosh, you're incredible. Wow. You want to trade? I got you. No, you don't. Oh, come on now. Don't focus on what somebody else has got. Focus on what you got. And bring all your resources to bear for good. I brought me a brother with me today who's got some thoughts on this. Michael, you got something for us? Check this. Spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. What you packing, friends? Come on. Lay it out. Let's hear it. Evangelism. Leadership. Shepherding. Teaching. Giving. Discernment. Prophecy. Preaching. You like working with the young? Can you speak in tongues? Are you particularly gifted at investing money? Or maybe you just pee in your pants funny. Come on now, humor gives a lot of people a lift. Or maybe you're just good at helping other people find their spiritual gifts. Can you play air guitar? Can you throw a javelin far? Can you golf under par? Can you tie a knot in a cherry stem at your local bar? Can you quote lines from the movie Avatar? Can you mountain climb? Can you fight crime, design a wind chime? Can you create strategic paradigms? Are you mechanically inclined? Can you preach the gospel in pantomime? I can sling a rhyme in three-quarter time myself. But I'll tell you something. I can't do much else. But that ain't no thing. Because the concept I came to bring is this. Don't sweat what you're not. Go find what you got. And don't tell me you got nothing. Don't you say your gifts are useless or shoddy. It don't work that way, baby. You're a part of a body. You think you'd ever find a pancreas giving a dress all full of distress, his face a tear-stained mess, yelling, somebody help me unearth the point of my birth. I feel like I got no worth. Well, let me ask you a question. You think the pinky toe ever gets jealous of the small intestine? You think the esophagus ever longs to be the brain? Of course not. That'd be insane. That'd be bizarre. Because you know, just like a car, the camshaft, the distributor, and the pistons are all equally important parts of a system. Don't sweat what you're not. Go find what you got. Come on now, people. It's through the Lord we've been lifted. And in doing so, he saw to it that you were uniquely gifted. And whatever he gave you, you can bet there's no doubt this machine we're all a part of don't operate ideally without. Your primary purpose 
is to use the skills he gave you. It says kingdom worker on your spiritual W-2. You're his competent employee through and through. So let's get up off our backsides. You know what to do. Don't sweat what you're not. Go find what you got. Like our Samaritan jumps off his horse and then finds this guy who's been beaten mercilessly. Well, the Samaritan don't got no medical degree. He certainly can't do surgery. Does he decide his lack of medicinal education makes him useless in this particular situation? Dude's got transportation, got oil to soothe the man's wounds, and his skin got cash in his pocket and a hookup down at the end. So he doesn't sweat futility. He finds his ability and turns out to be of utility. And then he comes up big. You dig? Brothers and sisters, hear me. And hear me well. Because you'd be regrettably remiss to dismiss this. This is the sweet spot. This is the reason why to help others you must seek. Because right now, at this very moment, as we speak, somebody, somewhere, is in a world of pain. The agony is killing them, fit to drive them insane. Satan and his goons are viciously attacking. And you know what they need? They need what you're packing. I speak true. They need you, and they're waiting. So there's no time for hesitating. You got no time to sweat what you're not. Ask the Father, dig deep, get off your donkey, and go find what you got. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell tell y'all something I didn't tell first service because I like you better. I'm going to bring him back with me next week. What do you say? Now, can you see how appropriate it is that that the Samaritan was called good? I don't have any stock tips for you. And if I did, you, sh- you shouldn't take them. <laughs> but I will tell you this. You are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he had prepared for you before you were even born. Don't think about what you're not. Use what you got. That's all I had to say about that. Let's pray. God help us. Life's hard. We might feel like we're the wounded ones. We got somebody, we need somebody to come bandage up our wounds. Yeah. But help us to know that it's in reaching out and bandaging others' wounds that that's the best possible therapy for what's ailing us. Help us, Lord. Help us 
to receive your word today. Help us to embrace your vision for life. Help us, help our story to become so much like. Let the the Samaritan story become our good story.